Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection, with free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Zeno Garcia. Zeno runs Ballard's Bowling Solutions Pro Shop at Cowtown Bowling Palace, which is in the Fort Worth, Texas area. Zeno also just returned home from Reno, where his Artistic Expressions number 1 team just shattered the USBC Open record with a 37-20. They beat the uh, 35-61, which was put forth earlier this year by the Motion Plus Lanes team. So, Zeno, I want to thank you for joining me today. Oh, great. Great having you. All right, well, 37-20, that's the talk of bowling this week. So let's talk about what it's been like since you guys broke that record in Reno. Uh, it's been complete mania. Uh, it's really hard for me to describe it. Uh, ever since we tried to step off the, the approach uh, or off the lanes that night, uh, we've had people congratulating us. I mean, left and right, we had a sea of people meet us at the stairs right there on the concourse just you know, saying, hey, great bowling, hey, that was amazing to watch. Uh, and I've never really been a part of that. Uh, I've seen people do it, uh, but to be out there doing it yourself, it's just a completely different feel. Um, being out there, uh, I kind of felt like I was watching my teammates, and then and then kind of it would be my turn to go up there and bowl. Uh, but it was really just witnessing history and and – being a part of it and it was so surreal i really can't describe it uh it's just weird to be a part of something like that because i mean you you wait for it all year long and when it finally happens and it all comes together like you dream it would come together uh you just really can't believe it i still can't believe it it's been four or five days already and uh i'm still trying to let it sink in you know uh trying to catch up you know uh, i've had very little sleep in the last week or so uh trying to keep up with the with the social media and the stuff on facebook it's just been unreal and uh the outpour from friends and family and and people that i don't even know uh are messaging me congratulations uh it's been the hall of famers uh steve richter has reached out to us uh larry lichstein uh jeff riggles um guys that have been there and done that uh, it's been an incredible experience. Well, yeah, so I know for me, when I come to the stadium, the first thing I do is I kind of do a once-over of the team squad and start looking a little bit to see. At what point did you guys start to notice that there was starting to be this crowd 
gathering behind you guys and up in the up in the settee area. You know, you start out with twelve fifty five. So at that point, people are kind of like, "Wow, these guys are these guys are pretty good bowlers. Maybe we want to stick around a little bit." But what point did you start to notice, or did you even notice at all that there was people starting to gather behind you guys? Uh, well, I mean, it was soon after our twelve fifty five. Uh, we started the second game even stronger than the first game. Uh, and at the halfway point, I mean, we were on pace to shoot 1,300. Uh, and then we kind of stumbled towards the eighth and ninth frame. And I could see the crowd starting to form. We were right there, right next to where the, the stadium seating ends. And that whole upper level was starting to fill up. Uh, we had three big opens in a row. And, and at that point, we were kind of like, oh, you know, I hope that didn't cost us in the end. Uh, and then, you know, we started to get a little bit nervous, but we uh, managed to strike out in the 10th. Our last three bowlers, myself, uh, Ted and Pete finished pretty strong that second game. Uh, and then, uh, Anthony was going to make a big move on the third game. Uh, and that's kind of when we got it rolling. Uh, we started the third game, you know, we, we saw what we had, we finished with 1188 and I thought, wow, you know, I couldn't believe that we had three opens in a row and we still got to 11.88. I just was in complete disbelief, and I think the rest of us were also. Uh, And then third game, you know, we just kind of gathered ourselves again, you know, kind of got up in the first frame and all of us struck. And that's kind of, we were like, all right, let's, you know, one shot at a time, let's get it going, you know, and we can get there. I think at that point we needed 11.20, uh, which none of us, I don't think I knew exactly what we needed because I wasn't sitting there doing the math. I was just trying to trying to focus on uh, my game, trying to make the next good shot. Um, and then we got up in the second, and Anthony rings a 10, and there's a messenger that goes right across it and just misses it. And we were like, oh, no, you know, if we could have just started with a double, uh, we would have been on our way. Um, but Jimmy was you know, right behind him, and he doubled. I got up there and, and I rang a 10 as well. Uh, luckily I spared it. <laughs> uh, but then the rest of the team doubled. And so um, it was just kind of off to the races at that point. Uh, the, Jimmy and uh, Pete and Ted were all locked in. Um, Jimmy had made a ball change to an IQ fusion. And suddenly he had a reaction like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he was getting it off his hand really clean getting it down the lane and his pin carry was phenomenal. Uh, Pete was, you know, doing what he does and he's playing the third arrow and somehow, you know, was holding line. Uh, he started with the first eight and it, it was incredible. I mean, I, I never seen shot making like he made that last game because he was so much further right than the rest of us, you know, with our rev rate on the pair, for him to be able to do that and, and throw the front eight, uh, knowing what we needed to get the, the eagle or take the lead, really. It was just a phenomenal performance. Uh, and it was just seriously like I was watching it in third person. Uh, it didn't feel like I was a part of it at that point. It was just so surreal to me. Uh, incredible experience. Well, so yeah, so let's talk about that because, like you said, Pete was a little bit further right than you all were. Did you guys ever have that feeling that you're going to get too far left and kind of, kind of be, um, be up against the wall for the last game or your last game you might lose some carry? Because I know that's one of the concerns that a lot of teams have by getting too far left, yeah. too far early. You keep hearing that, and that was kind of a constant theme earlier in the tournament: is don't get left early, don't get left early. But it looked like you guys 
really didn't go by that mantra and just kind of moved as you needed to move, correct? Correct. I mean, I mean, when you need, we're looking at first place from the very start and 3,500, you have to come out swinging. I mean, you really have to come out with the mentality that you have to strike every single frame uh, and then make your spares. Uh, if if 3,200 was leading, then we would have come in with a different mentality. Uh, but basically what we did is we came in and we kind of brought our A game uh, because our B and C game probably is not going to shoot 3,600. Uh, so we kind of came in and we got in our comfort zone and we kind of sat there and kind of made our moves. Um, we bowled together enough to where uh, I think we figured out how to not mess up each other's shots or kind of how to trick it down lane. Uh, Pete has bowled with us for, I think, eight years. And like the first three or four years, he really struggled with the front part of the lane. Uh, but here in the last four years or so, we've finished in the top 23 out of the last four years. He's found some trick to keep it down lane. And uh, while we migrate left, and he just sits there. And not only does he get it down lane, but he's able to match it up with the pin carry. And it's he's been bowling really great these last three or four years. And I think that's been the X factor uh, as to why we've been so successful uh, here in the last few years. Uh, because he's finally figured out how to do it. And uh, if you know Pete, uh, and some of the guys down here may not know him, but the guy is phenomenal. I mean, he has the simplest game I've ever seen. Uh, but what doing what he does, he gets it there every single time, exactly the same way every time. Uh, he's just a big, big talent. Uh, incredible. I think when his career is over, people are going to talk about him like, you know, they talk about Walter A, just pinpoint accuracy, you know, just simple, you know, straight is great, kind of that kind of thing. Uh, and having him on the team, especially with us, uh, we don't even worry about moving too far left too quick uh, because it doesn't affect him at all. Uh, if anything, it makes his ball look even better. And I'm in the same way in a lot of ways. Um, I need friction uh, for my ball to look good. Uh, and when Anthony is to the left of me and he's kind of burning it up a little bit, it actually helps me. Uh, and that way I only have to focus on projection, getting it down the lane, getting it to the spot. Uh, our other two guys, Ted Pritz and Jimmy McMartin, they're real similar in a lot of ways because they're high rev rate guys, but they get the ball down the lane really quick, uh, somewhere in 18 miles an hour, 19 miles an hour, somewhere around there. So, if anything, our newest addition, Anthony, helped them uh, create ball reaction because they were able to keep their speed up the entire time, and they never had to worry about you know shooting it through the break point or anything at any point during the night. Uh, and it just kept getting better and better. Uh, I was really in disbelief. I never thought it was going to get better. Not like that. Uh, so we just kind of went with the flow, and it just kept striking. I mean, the whole team was was kind of feeding off each other. Uh, we had Anthony in the leadoff, which at first was kind of a weird – I thought it was a weird spot for him because he's so explosive. Um, but he was it was really the best idea to have him lead off because he really got us fired up, you know, whenever he, he needed a strike and he got up there and – and he would hit it and, you know, he would yell or whatever. 
it really got us pumped, you know, to, to go out there and follow him uh, and do exactly what he was doing. Uh, it was just great team chemistry. I've never really been a part of it like that. Um, so I'm really excited for next year when we go to El Paso just to try again, you know. Uh, even if we don't win the Eagle this year, I'm still going to be able to to look back on that and, and think, wow, you know, I may never be a, a part of that ever again. Not like that, but... Well, yeah, you, you bring up El Paso, and of what a lot of people are saying now is 3,200 is going to win next year in in El Paso, that they're going to make the lanes really tight and really challenging for folks. Do you subscribe to that theory as well? I think so. I mean, after we shot 3,700, I, I was kind of looking through Facebook. It, it was kind of going nuts, so I was trying to read here and there. And, you know, I, I saw some some people saying that, you know, this is, this is bad for the game. 3,700 is just too high. USBC needs to really step in. And, and I don't know whether they will or not, but if they, if they do change the patterns next year, that's fine with us. I mean, we'll take 3,200 and an Eagle. I mean, uh, we, we don't mind not going out there and shooting spares. I mean, uh, there, we went so long, you know, with the mentality that, hey, 2-0-2-10 is going to be a good score at Nationals. It's only been this last couple of years where you needed, you know, 220, 230, even up to 240 if you really want to make money or or even have a chance at an eagle. Um, but we, we don't mind it. Uh, I think I think having a different scoring pace the way they do it now with doubles and singles is a good thing. Uh, it kind of gives a, a, a look. Maybe if someone struggles the first day, they'll have a better look the second day. I mean, it's. I think USBC is doing a lot of things right with with the Open Championships. Uh, it, I think it's a it's a big deal that they're that they're willing to take risks like that. Uh, and and we'll be there every year. I mean, regardless of what they decide to do, uh, as far as the scoring pace or conditions or format, um, I just hope they they continue to to try to build it up and uh, hopefully uh, get more entries in the future. Well, yeah, and like I mentioned uh, earlier, you run Ballard's Bowling Solutions Pro Shop at Cowtown Bowling Palace, so you're a pro shop guy as well. So that's where my next question is going. Do you think that the oil is playing a part in this where the pattern might be not such a bad pattern, but when you go with the, the ice oil, it helps it hold up so the transition isn't as bad or as drastic as what it once would be? Because like you've said, since we've switched to this new oil, is really when you've seen the scores go up. Right. Uh, and I, I think we notice a big difference because the ball just floats down the lane. And I, and I don't know if that was a product of just the pattern or the high soil or what, um, but it definitely got there pretty easily. I never really felt like I had to throw it. Um but then we bowled the BJ and then we struggled. Uh, so I think it has a lot to do with the pattern. Um, you know, how they choose to lay it down because they can use the high soil and yes, you can make them really easy with high soil, but you can make them really hard too. Uh, we bowled the second day on the live stream and because it was just me and Jimmy and two of the guys from our companion team, uh, we had two other ladies on the pair with, who were really, really nice. Um, but we, we weren't able to break them down as a team like we did the day before. And I think the second day was more important to do it as a team, trying to break down the pattern 
And uh, we just weren't able to do it. And that ISO really got us. The pattern got us. I mean, it just kind of swallowed us up. We felt like we were in grind mode the entire time. I mean, I probably made six ball changes. Jimmy had five bowling balls with him. I think he threw all five. Uh, we were just struggling and, and just trying to string strikes, and we just weren't able to. Um, so if they stick with the ISO, I mean, I think they can do whatever they want with it. They can make them brutally hard if they want. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's, it's really up to them. Uh, but like I said, it's, it, that's fine. Either way, uh, we're going to go out there and try to win the Eagle each and every year. And Zeno, final question here. Have you had a chance to talk to Dave Barris, Chad Kloss, or any of the guys from the Motion Plus Lanes team? I know, uh, I know there's been some Facebook messages going around, but have you had a chance or has anyone from your team had a chance to speak with them? I have not heard from them personally, um, but that's not to say that the other four uh, on my team have or not. Uh, I haven't um, heard anything from them about it. Uh, I think uh, Matt said that he talked a little bit to Chad Kloss about it, and he had made some comments about, you know, not being upset about it. You know, it's not like one of us threw a Brooklyn in the tent to beat them. Uh, and we shot 3,700 and, and we're leading by 159 pins. And from what Matt told me, uh, Chad was kind of hats off to them. Uh, and that kind of means a lot to us. I mean, uh, 159 pin margin of victory is, is almost a bigger deal to us than the 3,700 itself. Um, I asked, I messaged Matt and and earlier this week, and I asked him uh, just out of curiosity what the largest margin of victory has ever been for the Open Championships in the team event. And uh, he uh, had to look it up, but it was 1993. Uh, he said it was 152 pins. Uh, I'm not really sure who won that year, but uh, I think that's a pretty cool stat. Uh, if we do happen to hold on and, and win this year, uh, to do it by such a large margin of victory, I think is is a pretty big deal to us uh, because like Riggle said in his blog, and I wanted to thank him for writing that. I thought it was, he did a fantastic job. Um, but every team bowled on the same pattern this year. So it was a fair, it was, a, it was fair throughout the entire year. Um, so it kind of made it a bigger deal to us to, to win or to be in first place by that much. Um, and then, like I said, it's, we're still trying to let it sink in. Uh, if a team goes out there this week or next week and beats it, you know, they deserve it because, uh, it's, it's pretty hard. It's pretty tough to do that. Uh, and just get all five guys going like that. I mean, even though we shot 3,700, we had five opens. So we definitely left tens out there. So we know it's out there. Um, people have been congratulating us on our Eagles already. And I'm thinking, you know, it's still not over yet. You know, I, I won't, I don't want to celebrate early, you know, in a couple of weeks, you know, if we get that call, then I'll be ecstatic and I'll go celebrate somewhere. But right now we're just kind of, we're kind of in the moment We're we're kind of loving this little bit of fame that we have right now. And, and uh, just kind of waiting, I guess, uh, until July 13th, I think, Matt <laughs> yeah, said was the last day. Exactly. So, so like you said, though, I mean, if you guys did it, and that's kind of the mindset of a lot of bowlers, is if I did this, 
I know someone else could possibly do the same thing with another group of guys. So um, thanks for oh, joining yeah, me today. And, and yeah, like you know, you said, you, there's still some great teams out there with all the uh, the women's teams and, and a lot of men's teams yet to bowl. So you you guys probably will be kind of, you know, at least a little bit paying attention. But, uh, you know, that number is, is really, really strong. And, and I would, uh, you know, we we're just talking, you're just in Reno. So my guess is the odds are pretty good that that number will hold up. But um, But you never do know. Yeah, I mean, you never know, uh, especially with with as much as people watch nowadays. Um, uh, people are going to want to know how we broke them down and and try that, and and maybe it'll work for them too. So um, we really we're not trying to celebrate early. I mean, we're right now we're just happy that we took over first, and we're still in first, uh, leaving Reno. So. Uh, that's all we can do pretty much. And we're just going to wait on, see what happens, uh, July 13th. All right. Zeno Garcia, I want to thank you for joining me today and, um, all the best of luck and continued successes with, with your bowling and the, the pro shop down there in the, in the Fort Worth area. Thank you. I just wanted to add one more thing. Uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor, uh, artistic expressions in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, the owners are Debbie and Leisha Murr. Uh, they help us out with our shirts every year. Uh, they do our shirts for uh, the shops here in Fort Worth. And I just wanted to thank them. They've been on board with us uh, for about five or six years now, and uh, we really appreciate them. Great stuff. Zeno, that's one thing that us bowlers always, you know, we sometimes forget is the people that make it possible for us to to look as great as we do to help get us out there and get us to Reno or wherever the USBC is, whether it be help with shirts, whether it be help with anything of that sort. So, again, thank you, uh, Artistic Expressions, for uh, helping the guys out. And, frankly, thanks to all the sponsors out there. That's one thing, whether it's a league sponsor, a city, a state, uh, any sort of sponsors, a USBC open sponsor, thank you guys. Without you guys, we couldn't really be doing it, and bowling wouldn't be where it is. So. Uh, for Tim Berg, Zeno Garcia, good luck and good bowling.